Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. You are listening to Veggie Doctor Radio, and this is episode number 76. Hey, I'm your host, Dr. Yami. I'm a board-certified pediatrician, certified health and wellness coach, author, and speaker. I'm also a passionate promoter of the power of diet and lifestyle in preventing and reversing chronic disease and bringing joy and longevity into our lives. This podcast is focused on plant-based nutrition, habit formation, motivation, and mindset so that you can have the tools to live the best life possible. Are you ready to get started? Let's do this. Gratitude turns what we have into enough. Anonymous. Welcome back, veggie lovers. I hope that you are having a fabulous Sunday, and I hope that your post-Thanksgiving week was great. You were able to ease back into work and school, whatever routine that you have, that you're staying warm. Hopefully, you're not too warm wherever you are. I know that people are listening from all over the world, which is just mind-blowing to me. That's so cool. Where I am... It started snowing one week ago, last Sunday, and there's been snow on the ground and it's been very cold. So we definitely have our coats and I pulled out my winter boots, which I am wearing. It's time to start shoveling and de-icing and all of those safety things and hoping that I don't slip and fall and break something and staying as warm as I can next to the fireplace. So. It's that season. It is now what feels like winter, even though it's not officially winter here in the United States. It definitely feels like it for me. But it's been a really great week for me. Lots of great things happening with my book release party and hiring a new office manager for my pediatric practice, which was a very scary thing to do. I've had my office manager who has served a variety of roles with me for so long and we just work together so well and it's just been such a beautiful, wonderful partnership and such an amazing benefit in my life and in my practice and all the work I do that it was scary to let go, but she has to move on. She has to spread her wings and go try new things. I'm super happy for her and soon, We will be welcoming a new office manager, but that's a big deal for me, you know, this having my own business and being an entrepreneur and doing things I've never done before definitely is something that pushes me out of my comfort zone recurrently. So I'm wondering if there's anything that's been going on in your life recently that has been pushing you out of your comfort zone. I definitely talk about this in one of my podcast episodes earlier in the season. It's really important because discomfort is the catalyst for growth. 
It's not fun sometimes, definitely. We'd rather stay comfortable. That's part of the motivational triad. We want to seek pleasure, avoid pain, conserve energy. That's what we want to do. <laughs> so it's really hard to push ourselves to that point where it doesn't feel comfortable, but that's the way we grow. So anyway, this week, I'm going to talk about gratitude. And it seems to make sense because we recently had Thanksgiving here in the United States. And during Thanksgiving, we talk about thankfulness and gratitude. But this actually is something that I started reflecting upon before Thanksgiving. And it was really powerful for me. But before I delve into that, just a few reminders. The information on this podcast is for informational educational purposes only. I'm not giving any medical advice, but it is not meant to replace careful evaluation and treatment. So if you have concerns about you or your child, consult your doctor. Also, I want to remind you, please, to subscribe to rate and review my podcast on iTunes. I would really appreciate it. We have over 100,000 downloads. It's really picking up. I feel like it's growing every day. This is really great stuff happening. So I would really appreciate your help. It really does make a difference for me and it helps attract really great guests for the show. And we have some amazing ones coming up soon. So thank you so much for that. And then just a quick plug, I'm still so excited about my book, guys. So if you haven't already ordered it, consider it. You can order it in all the major online booksellers, including Amazon and Barnes and Noble. It's called A Parent's Guide to Intuitive Eating, How to Raise Kids Who Love to Eat Healthy. It's super adorable, even if you just buy it to look at it, but hopefully you buy it and also read it. And if you read it, could you please write me a review on Amazon? I would really appreciate it. All right, so let's talk about gratitude. So a couple of weeks ago, I was feeling a little bit overwhelmed and generally just a little bit burned out. It's been, and I've talked about this a few times over the past few weeks, so you guys know. It's just been a really busy year. I have crammed as much as I have been able to in this year. And that's my personality type. I, when I see opportunities, I'm not very patient. So I wanna do it, I wanna get it done. It seems to make sense in my brain at the time. I'm like, yes, let's just do it. Then I start doing it and then I realize, oh my gosh, this is just really a lot of work. It's taking time. I may not have enough time to do my self-care, get sufficient sleep and all the things that bring me joy. So then I start feeling a little overwhelmed, maybe a little cranky, a little bit burned out, wondering why I'm doing all of this stuff. Does it really make a difference? You know, all those kinds of thoughts that you start having when your brain is trying to protect you, you know, like it's just like all these excuses, like maybe I should just stop doing these things because then I would have more time to rest and relax and read a book for pleasure, which I haven't done and I can't even remember. It's been a long time. So I was not feeling great. I don't know exactly how this happened, but I was driving my youngest son to school one morning and we got onto a conversation about medical school and about when my husband and I had first gotten married. 
and we're living in our first apartment. And I don't really know how the conversation started, but he was asking me questions. And this was my little one, he's 10 years old. So he was asking me questions about that time. And I started recalling when my husband and I first got married. So we got married age 21, the day after our college graduation, which was a Monday. We got married on a Monday in the college chapel. And then 10 days later, we both started a dual degree DO, Doctor of Osteopathic Medicine, an MPH, Master of Public Health program. We were in college in a small town and we, we just love our college. It was really small, private liberal arts college, 1300 students. We just loved it. It was just the best experience. But we went from this small town of like 20,000 people, which we had both grown up in small towns like that. And we went to college in a small town. And we got married, 10 days later, we went to this big city. Well, we thought it was a big city. <laughs> it's not as big city as some, some of you live in. And now I live in a you know medium sized town, but Fort Worth, Texas, which is part of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. So to us, it just seemed huge. And we got this lovely apartment. So we were married, we got this apartment, we were in this big city. We had just achieved our lifelong dreams. Like I have been wanting to be a doctor since I was three or four years old, okay? It's like literally lifelong dream, get into med school with the love of my life, dual degree program, the future is bright. We were insanely happy. We were insanely excited. And then one of the things I remember that was like such a big deal to us was one of our first purchases in that for that apartment was a washer and dryer. We were so excited about this purchase that we each took a picture. This was back in a time for some of you that are listening that are super young. There was a time when we had to take pictures with like film there, we didn't have like just cameras, you know, it wasn't digital. So I actually have pictures that were printed from film of my husband sitting next to the washer and dryer and me sitting next to the washer and dryer because we were so excited about this. Because, you know, going from college coin operated washer and dryer where you have to pay quarters and they don't work well and sometimes they don't dry your clothes well or you have to wait or you're a few minutes late and somebody dumps your clothes out. Oh my gosh, it was it's awful. So we were so freaking grateful to have our own washer and dryer and it seems like the smallest thing right now. Whenever you move on and you have a house and you're successful and you have, you know, enough money to spend on other things, when there was a time in my life when a small thing was like a really big deal. And then another thing that we were super happy about is we actually got a two bedroom apartment. So we had one room that we slept in and the other room was our study because we knew we would be spending a lot of time studying. And we got this huge dry erase board so that we could you know, do our studying and write on and do any formulas or calculations or draw out the Krebs cycle. I actually have a picture of me doing the Krebs cycle on that whiteboard. This is all on social media, by the way. So if you follow at the Dr. Yami on Instagram or Facebook, you can look up the pictures of my husband, Brad, with the washer and dryer and me at the whiteboard and the Krebs cycle. So anyway, we started talking about this and I started recalling these feelings. And I just remember medical school 
as being such a happy time in my life. I loved medical school. I was so happy. My husband and I, especially the first two years, like the book study years, we were together 24 seven, which to some people was like, oh my God, that's awful. But I'm that kind of person. I'm a, you know, very touchy feely. I love being with my loved ones. And it was just so wonderful. We had the best friends. I love my friends from medical school so much. Janice and Dee Dee and Jill and Jerry and all of my wonderful friends and we studied together and we had study groups and yeah it was stressful and it was hard like yeah medical school is not easy but all I remember is just great times and those feelings of gratitude just flooded my body and this feeling that I had of burnout this feeling that I have of being overwhelmed this any negative feelings were instantly erased in that conversation. It was so powerful. It was almost like somebody had given me a pill to like just delete negativity. It was the most fascinating thing to me. And at first when it happened, I didn't realize what had happened. I was just like, oh, I'm recalling my past. I'm recalling a time when I was so happy. That's what I thought it was. But when I delved deeper, what I realized is that I was tapping into gratitude because I remember when we first got into medical school and being in medical school, I had so much gratitude. It's something that I had worked for for so long and I wasn't sure if I was going to make it, you know, like you never know for sure if you're going to reach a dream or a goal, but I did. I was there and I was overjoyed and I had so much gratitude and that's what gave me so much happiness even during a time that could have been miserable right like medical school residency they're really hard times you could definitely be miserable during that time but I was thriving and I was happy so in the days and you know week or two that came afterwards I started noticing more things about gratitude and I really was reflecting on that. And so that's why I wanted to talk about gratitude in this episode. So that's my experience. And I, since that happened, anytime I'm feeling down, I just tap into those memories of that feeling of gratitude and and it works instantly. It's amazing. So let's talk about what is gratitude. Well, first of all, just like any topic, it's way more complicated than I thought it was going to be. I'm a psychology major. I love psychology. I think it's fascinating. It's just really delicious for me to like delve into all this research. But of course, there's so many facets. So one definition that I really like is that gratitude is the appreciation of what is valuable and meaningful to oneself. It is a general state of thankfulness and or appreciation. So the appreciation of what is valuable and meaningful to oneself. That's pretty general, but I think it covers a lot of the different forms of gratitude. Another researcher said that gratitude is a two-step process. One, recognizing that you have obtained a positive outcome. So one, something good has happened in your life, right? You got something good. And step two, recognizing that there is an external source for this positive outcome. That part is interesting to me because I'm wondering if some people 
if they don't believe that there might be something else giving them something, whether it's another person, whether it's the universe, nature, fate, God, some other external source, can you have gratitude? Can you, can you have gratitude without that external part? I'm not sure. That first definition would seem to lend to think that you can because it's just the appreciation of what is valuable and meaningful. And somehow you got it. Maybe you don't even think about how you got it. You just know you got it. So it gets complicated just because gratitude, I guess we just think of it as, you know, just gratitude, right? But it's actually, it can be three different things. Gratitude can be a mood, an emotion, and or a character trait. So there are some people that are just naturally more grateful than others. They're just, that's their personality. They just have a more grateful personality. You can feel gratitude just like I was from recalling those past years when I was just really grateful for having been in medical school, becoming a doctor. And it can be um, just like a temporary fleeting emotion. What's really interesting, because I really love evolutionary psychology too, is some reading I did about gratitude and how it might actually be an evolutionary adaptation that increases altruism. So they have seen altruistic traits in all kinds of animals, non-human animals. So not just primates, but fish and, you know, all kinds of animals like birds, you wouldn't think why would they be altruistic? But it is an evolutionary advantage to help each other because together we can pass on our genes. It can be seen in young, young children and it develops further as they mature. So maybe we're inherently born with a tendency towards gratitude, but it can be fostered even further as we grow older and wiser. There are definitely social and cultural factors that are linked to gratitude, such as religion, cultural influences, and parenting, parenting styles that influence a person's tendency to experience gratitude. So when they've done studies, they've seen that people from different countries may experience gratitude differently. And here in the United States, because we're individualistic or more individualistic than other countries than some other countries, we might actually benefit even more from gratitude exercises because it helps elevate those feelings of cooperation and unity and those kinds of things. All right, so why should we even care about gratitude? Why should we practice it? It definitely have been, has benefits. So just like I said, from my experience, that kind of caught me off guard and showed me how important reflecting on and practicing gratitude is, gratitude just feels good. I mean, that's a great reason to do a lot of things to me. Well, as long as it's legal, obviously, but it feels good. It increases our sense of well-being, happiness, life satisfaction, and decreases negativity, depression, and anxiety. It also has physiological and physical effects on our body. So when we practice gratitude, it can actually improve our sleep, 
lower our blood pressure, improve our immune function. A couple of weeks ago, I talked about our immune system. So gratitude is a good way to bolster that immune system. In the winter, we should probably try to practice more gratitude (laughs) so we can catch less infections. Lowers inflammation, decreases fatigue, and decreases the risk of substance abuse disorders. Socially, in addition, like I said, you know how this there might be an evolutionary adaptation for gratitude, it increases pro-social behavior like cooperation, helpfulness, and generosity. And they've actually done studies to show that it can decrease burnout. And just like I had my little experience when I was feeling kind of crispy and kind of like, you know, I just immediately was like, oh no, I am doing my life's work. I am so grateful that I'm doing this. I feel great. Let's go. Let's, let's keep going. Um, so wow, this, it's amazing stuff. In addition, it increases resilience after depression and traumatic events or resilience. It actually increases resilience during depression and after traumatic events. And it encourages other virtues. So they call it the mother of virtues because whenever you practice gratitude, it also increases the likelihood that you are going to practice other virtues like patience, humility, and wisdom. So hey, it sounds like a good deal. It actually can change the way that your brain works, the activity in your brain. So they did one study to find, and they found that feelings of gratitude changed brain activity by showing more neural sensitivity in the prefrontal cortex. That's there at the front of your brain. This is your executive center where you make decisions. And they found this just after they did a little exercise where they had people write gratitude letters. And they found that the effects, the positive effects of these, this gratitude letter exercise lasted for months afterwards, even if they weren't continuing to do the exercise. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. For parents out there, gratitude is beneficial for children and adolescents as well. And studies that they have done on adolescents show that grateful adolescents are more interested and satisfied in school, more kind and helpful, and generally more socially integrated. So another thing I wanted to talk about, I mean, it's great to talk about what it is, why we should do it. And and later I'm going to talk about ways that we can start fostering and practicing gratitude. But I think another important thing is to remember that there are things that block gratitude. And I've noticed this in my life before. There's times when I want to feel grateful and I just can't elicit the emotion. To me, fear. Fear is a big blocker of gratitude. When I am feeling fear, I cannot feel grateful. It's just like they can't coexist. 
But in these studies, the things that they found, they found four different traits that block gratitude, envy, materialism, cynicism, and narcissism. Lots of isms. One of the reasons that researchers have found that narcissism blocks gratitude is because narcissists tend to have a sense of entitlement. So that is that they believe that whatever they get, they're entitled to that. So it's difficult to feel appreciation or to practice appreciation when you feel that everything that you get, you deserve or you're entitled to. And I think that also happens sometimes as we go about life, we acquire more things, we become more successful. We may actually start to appreciate what we have less because we take it for granted. And you know, we talk about that a lot in our society, taking things for granted. Um, and it, it just happens, you know? Sometimes you just get into life and the things that might have made you feel grateful for when you were younger no longer make you feel grateful because it's just part of your day-to-day -day life. I think the envy one is super interesting because envy, I just feel like envy is kind of like a strong word. Like whenever you feel envious, I immediately think of like somebody with like, just that green face and they're like, oh, I, I want what you have and I can't have it. Just like that negative feeling. It's just like such a bad feeling whenever you have envy. But I, I think it might even not have to, we don't have to use such a strong word. I really think that something that happens every day in real life right now can block gratitude and that is comparison. Whenever you start comparing yourself to others on social media, which I do all the time, and I have to go into my brain and do my cognitive behavioral stuff, I really have to do thought models with myself because I think everybody's susceptible to it. And I purposely engage in social media because I think that this is a good platform for me to spread positivity and love and reach more people. So I'm on there on purpose. But I notice sometimes that if I start comparing myself to other influencers or other doctors in the movement, and I'm just like, oh man, I suck. I'm just not that good at things. There's no way I can feel gratitude. I'm not feeling gratitude in that moment because what I'm feeling is lack. You cannot feel scarcity and abundance at the same time. So that's really important to notice. Does that happen to you when you're on social media? Does it happen to you when you're with your friends or doing things? I mean, are you having comparison, envy, are you jealous? Is that blocking your ability to feel gratitude? So when we are focused on what we lack rather than what we already possess, it can block our feelings of gratefulness. And I think that's why the materialism part is also a blocker of gratitude because materialism is wanting more things. You want more objects. You want to acquire more. And whenever you feel like you don't have enough, it's hard to feel like you have enough or a lot, you know? And we've been practicing minimalism in my family for several years. And oh my gosh, I feel like it's one of the best things that we started doing. And we're not like ultra minimalists, okay? So it's not like we just own 50 things or whatever. And I don't think anybody has to do that to benefit from minimalism. But I think it's a great exercise because it shows you that things, objects, possessions never lead to lasting happiness. It's nice to have things. I like having things. 
and I like having nice things. I'm going to be honest. I have expensive tastes. We've been doing a few remodels and everything I pick is always like the most expensive thing. And I'm always bummed out because I like, I like nice things. Okay. So I'm not saying I'm just some kind of one of those people that doesn't like things. I have as much materialism as other people but I no longer feel dependent on them for my joy. Like intellectually, I know that if you had to strip all my things, I could be happy. I could find joy in the world. I would have to adapt to not having my iPhone. That's probably one of the things I'm most addicted to, but I could find lasting happiness without things. The other thing too, I'll talk about more later, and this is on the subject of materialism, is that people actually tend to feel more lasting happiness after experiences rather than physical purchases. And that's one of the exercises we're going to talk about. And then finally, with that fear thing, this is not something that came up when I was reading the research. I just know for me that when I'm feeling fear, when I'm feeling anxiety, it's really hard to elicit gratitude. Like I've tried before. I'm like, just be grateful, be grateful, be grateful. And I'm like, I can't, I'm so scared. I feel paralyzed with this fear. And I think it's because fear is kind of like a higher, more protective function, right? So it's it's more critical. Like your brain and your body is like, no, there's no way we're gonna focus on gratitude right now, lady. You're potentially gonna die right now, okay? So listen, we have to focus on this fear thing. And then of course, most of the time when we're feeling fear in our society, it's not because we're gonna potentially die. We just think we are in the amygdala, that part of our brain that wants to protect us. So that's why going over the thought models, doing our cognitive behavioral psychology stuff and toning that part down may help us come back and elicit those feelings of gratitude that help pull us out of that negative emotion. Okay, so how can we practice gratitude? Lots of great stuff here. So this is this is the way that we can actually start to elicit this behavior, this emotion, this habit. So some people are gonna be more grateful by nature Don't feel guilty if you're not one of those automatically grateful people. Like I said, this is complicated. All kinds of backgrounds, all kinds of cultures. Some people may just have learned it from an earlier age because of the situation that they were in or because their parents already regularly practice gratitude. So don't feel guilty if you don't already feel like you're a super grateful person. And you don't have to be grateful all the time to have well-being, okay? But this is just something that if you're interested in helping elicit more positive emotions and well-being, you may want to give a try. And they actually found that people who are more goal-oriented and who are more curious are more likely to try some of these things. So not everybody's going to be willing to try these things. But the benefits can be is that it feels good, improves our outlook on life and our interactions with others. So here are the different things that you can do. I think everybody's heard of a gratitude journal also called counting your blessings and one way to practice that is to write about five things that you're grateful for either daily or weekly so this is basically just a deliberate exercise where you sit down and you write things that you're grateful for and that helps elicit those feelings of gratitude There's another variation on that one that's even more simple it's called three good things And it's just what it says. 
you think of three good things that happened, and this is a daily one, three good things that happened that day and what caused them. What caused those three good things to happen? And so that reminds me of that two-step process. So you recognize that something good has happened and then you recognize that there's an external source for that outcome. So that three good things is playing on both that step one and step two of gratitude. Another one, which is kind of interesting, and to me, it's almost kind of scary. It almost gives you that scarcity, scarcity slash rebound abundance. It's so weird. It's called mental subtraction. So this is an exercise where you imagine life without the positive event. Oh my gosh, this almost makes me cry because if, as a mother, and I'm sure that other parents out there, the first thing you think of is imagining your life without your children or your child, or what if you never had them, or what if something happened to them, and holy crap, it's like your whole body's like, ah! And then you're just like, oh, thank God, thank God. I just love my kids so freaking much. And that helps you, it's almost like a way for you to see the contrast, right? And so it kind of helps you feel that gratitude because you do have that thing. Imagine your life without either a positive event or something that you're grateful for. Another exercise is to write gratitude letters or do gratitude visits with people that you feel you haven't thanked. They, they deserve a thank, you're, or thankful, wait, they deserve a thank you. <laughs> I'm like, what am I trying to say here? They deserve a thank you, but you haven't properly thanked them. So you can write a letter and you can send it or you cannot send it. They found benefit from people writing thank you letters and never sending them. So you don't actually even have to send it or you can actually go visit a person and go tell them how thankful you are for what they've done or their influence or whatever. So that's another exercise. Okay, another one that's similar to this mental subtraction but even a little bit more morbid is called a death reflection. So this is where you imagine that you're dying or that you're on your deathbed and you focus on what you're grateful for. So say that your life is ending, what would you be grateful for right now? And so that sense of finality is a good way to really put things in perspective. It could be kind of difficult. You know, some of these, I think it's almost like an emotional roller coaster, right? Like, if you don't want to die, if you don't want to lose these things that you love, it gives you that sense of like loss, but then you realize, okay, I didn't really lose. So what, what do I want to focus on? What do I really want to be happy for right now? If I, if I just lost everything, what, what's most important to me? And that brings up those feelings of gratitude. Another exercise is called experiential consumption. So this is what I was referring to earlier when I was talking about materialism is spending money on experiences rather than material objects. They found that whenever we spend money, say like we're going to go see a play or we're going to go on a vacation, take a trip instead of buying that new iPhone or buying a new car, we have more lasting well-being and more gratitude for a longer time. Simply doing a gratitude meditation or praying on gratitude also is a way to foster those feelings of gratitude. And then the one that I added because I couldn't find it anywhere 
but it's what happened to me is reflecting on feelings of gratitude from your past. So what were the times when you felt particularly grateful? Was it whenever you had your baby, when your baby was born healthy, whenever you got married, when you bought your first house? Go back and think about how grateful you were and put yourself back in that time. Put yourself back in that body and elicit those feelings. It works. I mean, it's like literally like tapping into like some kind of like gratitude line. I mean, it really works. So try that. And that's what I've been doing is when I'm having these low periods, I just transport myself back to med school, that first apartment and our first little washer and dryer and life starting out where we had worked so hard for. So that has been working for me. Another way to practice gratitude or to elicit feelings of gratitude i learned from jack canfield and he has this really fun and almost kind of silly game called the appreciation game and i've done this at the breakthrough to success conference and also as i was training to become a jack canfield certified trainer and it's really fun and it may seem kind of silly but it really does work And what you do is you set aside a specific amount of time. It doesn't have to be very much time. Even just a couple of minutes, you set a timer and then you rapidly go through about everything that you see in your environment and feel appreciation for that thing. So right now where I'm recording, I'm actually recording in a bedroom. So it would be something like, I am so grateful to have a bed at night because it's so comfortable and I sleep well and I am so grateful I don't have to sleep on the floor. I am so grateful to have heating because it's cold outside and I would be so miserable if it were cold inside my house all the time. I am so grateful for hardwood floors because they're so much easier to clean and they decrease our risk of allergies. You know, so you just go on and on and just look at everything in your environment or even the situation that you're in right now and you try to find things that you're grateful for and you would be surprised how quickly you think of things like and how you realize oh my gosh i have so much like you feel this sense of abundance and it's really fun it's really fun to apply it to your kids and as a family to go around and play the appreciation game so that is your episode on gratitude i hope that this was helpful i really think it was helpful for me and like i said it's more complicated so if you're interested in gratitude there is a lot more to explore out there and a lot more that you can do but this is just a simple introduction and i think it can help a lot of people so my call to action for you for this week is to find three things that you are grateful for every day. So this is the three good things exercise. Every day, either at the beginning of the day or the end of the day, take a moment, it doesn't take very long, it might only take like 30 seconds, and reflect on three things that you are grateful for for that day over the next week. And let's see how you feel. Another thing I just kind of want to interject here is that you cannot force gratitude. And this just makes me think of when I was a teenager, I was deeply depressed at times. I have suffered from depression several times in my life. And as an adolescent, I was really in the pits. I mean, I was really depressed. And growing up as an only child, and my mother, who is like a naturally very joyful, carefree person, you know, it concerned her and she freaked out. And her reaction when I was depressed was just to tell me, you you have so much to be grateful for. Just be grateful, Yami. Just be grateful. 
And that's also part of my religious upbringing because I was raised as Catholic. And I feel like in Catholicism, gratitude is also very, you know, like um, encouraged and you have to be grateful for everything that God's given you and all this kind of stuff. So it's part of growing up. But I remember when she would tell me that not only was it irritating and not helpful, but it actually made me feel worse because of my religious upbringing and because I knew that I wanted to feel grateful for everything I had and intellectually I knew I had so much, but I couldn't feel it made me feel worse about myself and actually made me feel like I was a bad person because I could not elicit those feelings of gratitude. And mom, I know you're listening. I love you. You're my biggest fan. Thank you for everything that you've done. And I know that when we do that, if you've done that and I've done that before in the past too, we're doing it out of good intentions. We're trying to help the person because we know that gratitude helps us feel better. But what I want to tell everybody and remind everybody and remind myself too is that it's almost impossible. It's not always impossible, but it's really, really difficult to go from a, an extreme negative emotion to an extreme positive emotion. It's really hard for our brains to do that. I mean, it's possible, but it's very rare. Instead, what I recommend is bridging. So if you're an extreme negative emotion, you need to get to a neutral place before you can jump off to get to that more positive emotion. So don't feel bad if you're deeply depressed or deeply anxious or deeply in a state of fear and you can't elicit gratitude. It does not mean you're a bad person. And also don't expect anybody else to do it. So if you're trying to help somebody, if you're trying to make somebody feel better, first of all, it's not your responsibility to make other people feel better. It's one thing to remember. But don't be like, just be grateful, just be grateful. Look at all the stuff you have. Um, because that can actually <laughs> make the person feel worse and feel obligated to feel grateful when they're in a state that they cannot elicit that emotion. So just a little interjection there. And mom, I love you. I know you're listening. You're the best. Love you so much and so grateful for you. I'd love to hear from you. If you want to email me, yami, Y-A-M-I, at dryami.com. That's D-O-C-T-O-R-Y-A-M-I.com. Next week, I will be talking about setting your intention for 2020. I'm all about goal setting and getting ready for the next year. And then we have lots of amazing guest interviews coming up that you're going to love. So thank you so much for hanging in there with me today. I hope that you feel lots of gratitude and well-being and joy and that you have a very plantastic day. I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. Thank you for tuning in and I look forward to having you back again next week. A very special thank you to the band Rocket Surgeons for permission to use the broccoli song. To find out more about the Rocket Surgeons, please visit their website at rocketsurgeonsband.com or Facebook at Rocket Surgeons Music. Please subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Also, all of my social media links can be found in the podcast description. Send me a message and let me know what you think of today's podcast sharing is caring. Please share, rate, and review my podcast and drop me a line if you have ideas for future episodes. Thank you once again and have a plantastic day. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs, five to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. 
Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.